Each week on Emergency, you will hear discussions from EMTs, paramedics, physicians, respiratory therapists, nurses, and other healthcare professionals who are experienced providers in emergency medical care. These guests discuss their personal experiences in the world of emergency, as well as what it takes to provide care in some of the most stressful environments possible. There will also be honest conversations with people who have received emergency medical care, and they will bravely share their experiences as a patient who may have needed an emergency intervention. Expect funny, educational, and insightful conversations, which will illuminate the humanistic side of an often misrepresented profession. The Emergency Podcast is hosted by me, Samantha Barella, owner of Emerge Education Solutions, and I'm also a currently licensed paramedic. I want to give you a heads up that um, our episode today may contain some profanity language as well as some uh, gross descriptions about human anatomy and injuries and illnesses. So listener discretion is advised. Let's jump into our episode. I want to have your attention for a quick second um, because I want to talk about something serious. We have a brotherhood in EMS and fire. That brotherhood is when one of us falls down, we all rally and pick each other up. Well, one of our own has fallen down. Marco Schomburg is a firefighter with the City of Santa Fe Fire Department who was on a wildland fire last fall. He was short of breath and started coughing up blood and was diagnosed with valley fever. That valley fever has paralyzed his diaphragm and now he needs a life-saving procedure in order for his diaphragm to work so he can breathe. This procedure is going to cost him $260,000, which his insurance nor workman's comp is currently covering. Marcos had to come up with $15,000 of his own in order for him to even get the surgery. Well, he's had the procedure and is on the mend. However, he is still coughing up blood and was recently admitted to the ICU. We really need to help Marcos out. And I'm not a person that often will ask for money from people, but I think this is a super important cause, especially for somebody going through COVID and the economic downturn that we've experienced socially. Marcos needs our help. Let's rally together and really help him out. If you're unable to donate, please feel free to share some positive words of encouragement and please share these posts as well as this episode so more people can find out and help Marcos. I have had the awesome opportunity to spend more time with and in dispatch than most EMS professionals. One of the fire stations I used to be stationed at was connected to the dispatch center that my service used and who also dispatched me to our 911 calls. Not only did I enjoy the energy and bustle of the dispatch environment, I really enjoyed getting to know the people who operated that call center and who were truly my lifeline on calls. Today, I got to have an awesome conversation with Vanessa Marquez, who is the director of the Regional Emergency Communication Center in Santa Fe. Vanessa and I share our memories, and we share some calls that impacted us And I also learned about the latest and greatest of what is happening in the world of dispatch. Don't miss this fun and enlightening episode that really shines the light on dispatch, who I believe are our unsung heroes. For more information about dispatch and EMS, please visit www.emergeeducationsolutions.com. Today's episode is super exciting for me. Yay! I have Vanessa Marquez here in the studio with me. Hey, Sam. Hey. 
girl, yay. Um, so we have several things to celebrate. <laughs> um, I'm so glad that you're here. Um, number one, I'm super excited about the topic we're going to be talking about today and sharing this topic with all the listeners and all of EMS and first responders out there who are listening. Um, but I'm also really excited because you get to be the first female guest on the show. That's awesome. Welcome. I like being the first. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. Thank Girl, you so much. You can be the first. I'll be the OG. You be <laughs> okay. The first. That okay. sounds good. That sounds good. <laughs> so welcome to the studio. Thank you, Thank you so for much. finding the time to be here and for talking about this topic. So today we're going to talk about dispatch. And Vanessa is the director of uh, the Regional Communications Center here in Santa Fe. And she, um, man, you've been running the show, girl, for a while. It, it's been a minute. I was probably the manager for about 10 years, and now I've been in the director position for about a year. Um, but all in, uh, it'll be 23 years on, on Sunday wow. that I've been in dispatch. Awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Most people don't make it that long. They really don't. It takes a, a special kind of sick person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to stay in, in dispatch for that long and actually retire from there. You must like the punishment. I, I, I think that's what it is. <laughs> I really want, I'm so glad that you're here. You and I go back uh, professionally and we also, with our friendship, we go back years, girl. I've, years. Uh, it would have been 13 years this year I would have been in fire. So we go back to those days. Yeah, I used to tell Sam where to go all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, we talk on the radio all the time. <laughs> Um, and we, um, so the station that I was at also housed dispatch and this was like back in the early days, um, when I was assigned to that station and it was just me and one other person at that station and like on the weekends and stuff, it would just be so boring. Just me and one other person, especially if I didn't really care for that person. (laughs) Um, so down the hall was dispatch and, um, the dispatch center was for all of Santa Fe County and then even some outlying communities outside of that. Right. So Edgewood, we, we cover all of Santa Fe County and Edgewood is actually split up in three separate counties. Oh, dang. So we dispatch for, um, their fire EMS and law enforcement for that area also. And Pecos too, right? Um, we do parts of Pecos. So we do Pecos and Pecos Canyon for fire and EMS, not for law enforcement. Okay. And how far north? North, do you guys dispatch? Do you do right you just up to Espanola? Gotcha. And and we even do parts of uh, Rio Riva County with the Chimayo volunteer right. crews. Right, because that boundary is just so zigzag crazy of what's Rio Riva, what's Santa Fe County. Right. Yeah. So it's a how many square miles? Do you know, I I can't tell you off the top of my head. Santa Fe County is a huge area to cover, and we actually have. Um, I want to say 14 volunteer fire districts in Santa Fe County, and then plus the two Peco San Miguel County um, fire districts that we dispatch for. Wow. Wow, that's a lot. And on top of all the law enforcement as well. So we have a total of eight different agencies that we dispatch for out of our center. Every center is different. it's you're finding more and more that you're going to have a regional center even state police has started to make their centers regional um but for us we do um two pd uh, police departments we do a sheriff's office and then their corresponding animal control agencies Mm -hmm. and then we do fire and ems for all of santa fe county yeah it's a huge job and you get to run all of it (laughs) (laughs) it's fun I, I do. I enjoy it. It's never a dull moment. That's for sure. Yeah, not for sure. So back to like our days when I was at the station, 
Um, I became good friends with Vanessa because I would be bored at the station waiting for calls to drop. And so I would go in and I was always really impressed and really amazed at the job that the dispatchers do. I really did not have quite the appreciation uh, uh, for dispatch until I actually spent time in the RECC with you guys. And and I spent time with them, with the dispatchers, um, for like hours at a time. I would sit in there if we didn't have any calls or like a call would come in that was in my district and you'd be like, Sam, you're about to get dispatched. <laughs> so I'd run across the building and get in the truck so we could get dispatched to go. <laughs> Those were the days. It was fun. It was fun. I, it, that was always on the weekends because you didn't have any administrative staff there and we could hang out and order uh, food and well, I'd eat with these people and we'd take their lunch break. We order unquote. food three times a day in the dispatch center. Unfortunately, the dispatchers don't get a lunch break. So they're in there for 12 hours at a time. And uh, so we have to do food runs. We call them food runs. So <laughs> so Sam was always welcome to come and eat with us. <laughs> it, it was really fun. And again, like I learned so much just being in there. And I learned about um, how the actual system works and, and how the CAD works and how the algorithm works and all of those questions that you guys do. And I don't think, I really don't think that, number one, a lot of first responders have an appreciation for the job that you guys do. And number two, I don't think the community understands the job that you guys do. So so not only are they fielding emergency and 911 calls, they're also kind of like the information center. For yeah. some reason, everybody decides to call dispatch to find out the number number to the Santa Fe New Mexican. I don't know why people do that. Or they call 911 to ask how long they put the turkey in the oven for Thanksgiving. Are you serious? Yeah, 100% serious. <laughs> You're like, Google. Have you ever heard of Google? Yeah. <laughs> you get a faster answer. It, it's crazy how many calls that come in um, to the dispatch center. You know, we've been trying for, you know, a, a while now to set up like a call tree so that way people can like push one for administration. Oh, yeah. It just didn't work out because, you know, everybody always wants to push zero and hit because, and talk yeah, to a person. They want, right, because they want to speed through the, you know, the recording. And they didn't realize when we put that in place, when you hit zero, it takes you back to the beginning. Oh. And so then everybody started hitting one and that went to a certain secretary and she just got so overwhelmed I'm that sure. we just couldn't, we couldn't put that in place. So we answer everything, you know, street lights down or street lights out, traffic lights flashing. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we are the information hub. We don't have 311 like Albuquerque does. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, and their system is just completely different. Um, so I do want to make a point, too, is that um, the radio communication that you guys do at RECC is not the same as the med radio that we in the field would give, like, our medical radio reports to. Correct. They're two different entities. We can't monitor your radio reporting channels or even um, we do have that extra channel that you can speak to St. Vincent's where the med talk to the hospital to go back and forth. Yeah. Um, we have that that we can monitor, but we usually don't broadcast on that. Right. And we, and we really, I mean, how often do you even need to use that, especially with cell phones? It's it's, it's very rare. Yeah. It's yeah. very rare. <laughs> you guys don't want to hear all the crap that comes <laughs> in anyway. No, absolutely not. I mean, we hear it already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. Then you'd find out the outcome too. Which could be helpful. That's yeah, a, I, I think, you know, it, that's actually really hard for dispatchers because we don't have that closure. Um, you're, you're there from the, the beginning of the call. Mm -hmm. and, and then as soon as, you know, the field personnel get on scene, that, the, 
the tie is severed and you don't know what happens after that call unless, you know, one of the field responders calls in and, and you get closure that way. But nine times out of 10, the dispatcher doesn't get that closure to find out what happened with that call. Yeah. And, you know, like even me hanging out and all the time that I spent with you guys in dispatch, um, even like closing the loop never even crossed my mind like for you guys and I think that that's one of the areas that we as field staff need to do a better job with you guys and there can be you know I think some field staff would say well we didn't know the dispatcher wanted to know um but I think that we could do a better job of creating some sort of system because it's the same thing on our end like I would hope that the field personnel would be able to empathize with that position that you guys are in because it happens on our end as well we go you send us to a call and we go take care of that person and then we take the person to the hospital and that's it for us. Right. Generally, we don't find follow-up about anything out about those patients either. And so I think we could probably empathize with you guys and say, like, it sucks, you know, it, it sucks. It or, really does suck. Or maybe like even feedback of like, hey, like if you could have told me this one piece like it would have made a difference between me launching a bird or not or whatever did you have that information or just having like a better relationship together so that you guys can get what you need from us and we can get what we need from you and really work together and it's not I mean sometimes the dispatcher won't even ask because they're afraid to ask or they don't know what type of bounds they're going to overstep by asking those questions Mm -hmm. so I think if there was better communication between all field staff and the dispatch then I think everybody would feel better at the end of the call. Sure. And um, I mean, I have heard a few times of some of you guys having uh, difficulties after really um, stressful call. What what do you guys do now or what what's in place now? Because I know that you come, like we were talking right before we started recording, you come from the bottom. Like you were that dispatcher. You were that person working all those overtime hours and um, working night shift. And you were that person. And you've slowly over your career have moved up the ranks to be the leader now. And as the leader, you can empathize being in those that shoes or Absolutely. that seat, right? So what what do you try to do for your people to help close that loop or to help educate field staff? So I I try and go in there and, you know, talk to my staff after, especially after a hard call, you know, are you okay? Do you need anything? You need to take a break. Um, Do you need to step outside? Do you need to talk to somebody? If you need to talk to somebody, do you want to talk to me? Um, Do you feel like you need to talk to somebody that's more of a counselor? Um, In that aspect, we have um, the critical incident stress debriefing team that we contact through the state Mm -hmm. um, because we have had to use them. You know, sometimes our our dispatchers don't want to open up to their peers because it makes them appear weak. Mm -hmm. And, And they don't realize that, you know, two days before that, you had gone through the same thing. And sure. so you would you would know better on how to, you know, speak to them or give them advice. Right. Um, a lot of it, you know, dispatchers tend to bottle everything up to the point where it's they can't do that anymore. Um, but so I do. I try and go out and I talk to my people. I go sit out on the floor every once in a while. Um, I'll, I'll answer a phone, you know, just to get them joking around and break up the monotony of things. Right. So um, I just tried to make myself present for them. You know, just like my predecessor did, he he would go out there and do the same thing. You know, he would jump on a radio just to hear them laugh at, at him dispatching. So yeah. <laughs> I, I think that really helps 
um, because they know that you're willing to jump in and, and do the job that they're doing. Absolutely. I remember uh, when I was working in the hospital, we had a charge nurse. And when we were short-staffed, she would charge and she would take patients to try to help us with the flow. And I think that that goes like as a leader, but also as having um, um, people who are following you. Um, and I don't want to say employees because I think they're more than just that, but people who are, are trying to get support from you. Um, I think it goes a long way to take that leadership role and to be like willing to get into the trenches, so yeah. to speak, quote unquote. I'm <laughs> doing air quotes right yeah. now, everyone. Uh, <laughs> quote unquote, get in the trenches with your people, right? When they're drowning you're coming in to help keep the boat afloat absolutely kind of thing. and and now I have a, a manager in my old spot that mm -hmm. she knows because she came from the floor also so she she hears the phones ringing off the hook and she grabs her headset and she jumps in on the floor to you know help them out so that way they don't feel overwhelmed and bombarded and they know that their administration is there to support them right and and also you can relate to them because we've all had those bosses yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who don't know anything about the job we're actually doing. Yes. And so they can't really empathize. But I think coming from the bottom and really sticking it out, like it speaks volumes. So congratulations. Thank girl. you. You should Thank be proud you. of that. I, I really am proud. I never in a million years, and I always used to say never, never, never. I'll never be a supervisor. And then I became a supervisor. <laughs> I'll never be the manager. And then I became the manager. I'll never be the director. And now I'm the director. But I owe a lot of that to, you know, my previous boss because he believed in me. He believed in, you know, that I could do the job. Mm -hmm. And because of that, then I was able to step into the role that I'm in. So I want to be that for for my team. Right. So I hopefully I, I'm able to portray that to them. Yeah. Um, but that's my goal because when I leave, I want somebody to be able to step into my place and and take the reins. Right. And bring maybe some fresh ideas while still being the supportive net that you've created yes. for your people. Absolutely. Um, I do want to say um, that there, like, tell me some stories of some of the people you had who have wanted to, who have gone past, like that was their beginning point, I guess. Um, like their starting point was being a dispatcher and it really just pulled on their guts or their heartstrings and they wanted to be PD or they wanted to be fire. Or they want to be EMS. Like, like how, how well, many employees do that? I can tell you that people don't come into dispatch saying, I want to be a dispatcher. Uh -huh. you, you, that's not how you start being a dispatcher. Um, you know, dispatch, you're getting into the government. That's how I started. I started because my uncle said, you really need to get into government and dispatch, they'll hire you. You'll get in there. And I fell in love. Um, most people that come in, they want to be police officers or they want to be firefighters. So they want to get that experience before they go out to the field. And I'm all about that. You know, come in, learn this side, because mm -hmm. that's going to help you on the other end of the radio. And we've had several um, individuals transfer over to the fire department or to be EMS or to be law enforcement. Yeah. And it's a great stepping stone. And, you know, if you come in, give me your 100 percent for two or three years and then go on to what you're going to do next. Yeah. And I really think it's important to have that. Like if I hadn't spent as much time in dispatch as I did with you guys, I don't think I would have the same appreciation for you that I do now having ex being exposed to that. And that was why as the clinical coordinator, I was really um, 
it was like with your the clinical I set up with you to have our students that and all of our students will go all levels EMT intermediates and paramedics all have to spend some time with you guys because I truly value you guys and I think that without being exposed to that side of it they really cannot have an appreciation for what it really is and all the work that you guys do and how not only all the work you do but how limited it is like it's just you talking on a phone to someone else like that's it that's all you got well I mean you I don't know if you know this, but dispatchers are classified as clerical workers. No. Um, so there's been a, a fight in the 911 community, you know, a lo- like a lot recently to reclassify dispatchers as first responders. Yes, absolutely. Um, and and it started to happen in, in counties, one county at a time. But yes, we are considered clerical workers in the dispatch community. And um, our retirement is the retirement of a... Of a civilian, we don't have first responder retirement. So you guys haven't done like the cool shorter plan that no. all fire and EMS. Is no, on. no, we have. Um, so now I think if you're sworn fire or law enforcement, I believe it's 25 years. Um, the dispatchers have to go 30 years. Wow. To max out. Yeah. Why is that? Do you think is it like a cultural thing? Is it just that you you guys haven't like like as a profession haven't evolved or like what is it? It just goes back to what you were saying. It's a lot of not knowing what the dispatchers do. Uh Um, You know, dispatch hasn't, the 911 community has only been around since um, 19, here I I wrote it down here, 1968 was the very first 911 call that came through. So just over 50 years. Mm -hmm. So just like fire and EMS are, you know, changing daily, so is dispatch. And they don't realize that you have one dispatcher that's answering a phone and dispatching personnel to a structure fire or doing CPR while the field responders are talking to them on the radio. Mm -hmm. A lot of it has to do with um, the public and, you know, our higher ups not having the knowledge of how dispatch works. Yeah. So, so everybody should do a clinical. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they should. They really should. I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's sad to see, you know, dispatchers, we say it all the time, um, dispatchers are the first first responders. We are the first people on that scene to help people. And um, you, you'd never think, a funny story, I was thinking about it this morning, actually. We had um, one of our graveyard dispatchers was performing CPR on, on a patient. Mm-hmm. His wife was on the phone. She was giving him instruction. Sure. Um, field personnel showed up probably 20, 30 minutes later. And because they were so far out right. and um, they transported him and he survived. Well, they received um, a letter of thanks and, and the first responders were recognized, but yeah. the dispatcher wasn't on that letter. Wow. And if it wasn't for the dispatcher, he wouldn't have survived. Absolutely. Because the dispatcher stayed on the phone with the wife for 20 minutes, giving her CPR instructions, making sure he had a pulse by the time the first responders got there. So if it wasn't for her, then the outcome wouldn't have been what it was. Right. And people don't realize that. They think, oh, okay, the firefighters are here, the EMS personnel are here, and they're the ones that are saving the patient. Well, we're, we're trained just like fire and police. Mm-hmm. We actually have to maintain certifications. We have to attend the New Mexico Law Enforcement Academy. We have to have those credit hours just like all the field personnel. Wow. that's I think that's a really good point that you guys don't, you know, and I think it really hits home what I'm trying to say is that you guys don't get the recognition that you deserve, not just by field personnel, <laughs> but by the community as well. Because you're absolutely right. If, if that patient 
I mean, 20, 30 minutes, mm. that's a long time. And any of us who are trained, we know that uh, viability and survivability after that amount of time without intervention is usually lethal. Right. So I think that, you know, this is exactly why I wanted to have you on well, and to I talk about this topic. It's so much appreciated. I mean, you always remember us. And, and the fire and, and EMS and law enforcement, they always remember their dispatchers. They, mm-hmm. you know, if it's calling and saying, hey, thank you for the job that you're doing. Because if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't get that. You know, the dispatchers wouldn't receive that recognition from anybody. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, most public people that call into dispatch, they think they're going to be talking to an officer right away. They think they're going to be getting um, a fire EMS technician on the phone. They don't realize that they're talking to a dispatcher. We had a guy call in um, yesterday, as a matter of fact, and he started yelling at my dispatcher because she was trying to take a message because he wanted to speak to an officer. And he was he couldn't understand why we couldn't put an officer on the phone right then and there. Well, they're not in our office. <laughs> they're out in the field responding to crime. So, um, yeah, it's it's always fun when we have to deal with that. But a lot of it is, you know, public education. Absolutely. And, and I think that we can do a better job as people who are on the side of EMS and first responders. I think we can do a better job of educating the public of really how it works. Honestly, I've never had... I'm trying to think, but I don't think I've ever had anyone complain to me like a, a call I've ran where they're like, oh, the dispatcher. Or I've never really had anyone That's complain good to, to me That's good to about know. any of you guys. And even if they did, I'd be all, what? <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> well, you know, the dispatchers like you guys, we're, we're extensively trained. We take customer service classes because that's part of our job is customer service. We're yeah. there to serve not just the public, but our, our agencies, uh-huh. you know, and, and then they're trained in pre-arrival instructions. If there is a med call, they know how to give CPR. They're CPR certified. They have to take a week-long course to get uh, emergency medical dispatch in order to give those pre-arrival instructions or post-arrival instructions. So is that a license? License or certification? It is a license. We hold EMD licensure wow. through, through the state. So it's something you then need to do continuing ed for yes. and you have to maintain it. Bian- biannually, yeah. just like just, just like, like the ours. field. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Okay, wow. Absolutely. Yeah, see people pay attention to your dispatchers. Love your dispatchers. <laughs> Look at all the work they do. <laughs> Unrecognized. <laughs> Let me add that in there. <laughs> okay, so I want to talk about you. Um, you have a plethora of experiences, a dispatcher. Um, so tell me if you can think of a call or a couple of calls that really impacted you where you had wished that maybe not me, but maybe someone in my shoes had given you some info about the call or had told you about the outcome or any calls that like really impacted you as a person. I, I have to say the calls that, that come to mind, I had closure with them because I was able to reach out to the field personnel. Um, but one that really stands out in my mind is... Um, we have different phases of 911. So we had phase one, which you would call in if you had a landline, um, your address would come up. Mm-hmm. But if you were calling from a cell phone, it would just hit you at the closest tower. Okay. So we had no idea where you were. Okay. Um, we went into phase two in um, the early, mid-2000s. Mm-hmm. And so that was able to give you and still is able to give you um, a location if you call from a cell phone within 50 to 100 meters of where that cell phone is calling. Okay. Well, as a dispatcher, you you have to be trained to listen. You're seeing with your ears. Uh-huh. And um, I received a 911 call on a cell phone, and it sounded like a struggle. 
to me, it sounded like a struggle. and, and Like a physical? Yes, like, like a, somebody's fighting okay. or you hear, and you can hear muffling, like mumbles, and uh-huh. you don't really know what's going on, and sure. you don't know if it's a kid playing with the phone. You know, you mm-hmm. have to really be able to listen to what's going on. And I stayed on that call. I started tracking that call um, with a cell phone company because they were able to, you know, trace the call. Mm-hmm. And I was able to get it to um, a block um, radius of okay. where the phone was. And I still had that line open and officers were going door to door knocking on the door because it still sounded like a struggle. I didn't know what kind of struggle, um, but it was a struggle. Yeah. And sure enough, um, a couple minutes later, I hear knocking on the door and I'm telling the officer on the radio, yeah, that's it. That's the house. That's where it's going on. Um, it turned out it was a domestic that turned into the male was raping the female. <gasps> Um, he had gotten the phone and smashed it against the wall. So the phone was literally in pieces and they didn't understand how I could hear anything that was going on on that phone. Wow. And I'm sure he thought that there was no way that anyone would find him because he broke the phone. So that was, yeah, I mean, that was something, that was one of my first experiences with the phase two of the 911. Mm -hmm. And it was just amazing. Like, you never know what's going to happen. And and you get up on the stand and testify for these lawyers. And then, well, how do you know that was happening? Well, I'm trained to know those things. I'm trained, you know, to listen to what's going on in the background. And that was that was an intense call being on that and then finding out what it was after the fact. What do you think like the time frame was that you were like trying to find the location? You could just hear scuffling. I, and... It was in in a matter of um, 15 to 20 minutes from the time that the call initiated with me yeah. to the time the officers were able to knock on that door. And were you just like, like, I don't know. I'm trying to put myself in your shoes and like <laughs> pretend I'm doing your job, which I could never do. But like I'm pretending and I'm like, oh, my God, I would I could already like even just talking about this. I could feel like my heart beating. And I'm thinking like, oh, my God, I'd be like, please don't hang up. Please don't hang up. Please don't hang up. Because if they hang up, then you're toast. Right. Right. And then you want to be careful. You don't want to keep saying, hello, are you there? Hello, are you there? Because what if the suspect hears that the phone is open and then they disconnect the phone. Right. So right. you have to be really careful. You just have to listen. Take take your clues from, you know, what's going on in the background. What what do you hear? What what's what do you think that you're hearing? Yeah. So it's it's a it's a huge, you know, thing in dispatch. You have to be able to pay very close attention to what's going on. Yeah. Do you guys have like celebrations cuz I I'm envisioning you guys like Dispatching, because I've been, I've seen, number one, um, in calls that have happened where it's multi-agency coordinated, and you guys in there, in the RECC, okay, so let me give all the listeners an idea, and it may have changed since I've been there last. No, it's the same. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) let me give all the listeners an idea. So you have this very, very large room. And you have all these consoles, and really the consoles are separated. You have like one or two or th- maybe two to three people sitting in one of the little areas that's that's blocked off by some um, like cubicle, right. cubicle material. What do you call them? Some walls? Cubicle they're they're walls? like just little or, pods sure. that they sit in. And so each little pod, that's a good word. We'll call them that. Pods are different, like one's PD, one's SO, one's fire. Um, there's all these pods. And so... When there is a call that's multi-agency, what I'm referring to is that maybe there was a call in the county 
and maybe there weren't any county EMS fire people available because they were on a structure fire. So city fire has to come into the county and cover that call. And at the same time, you needed law enforcement. So because it was county, you need SO. And so all of these dispatchers are kind of yelling at each other across <laughs> the room, like information they're receiving, plus somebody, if not one of them, is actually still talking to the caller. Right. And so information is being relayed, and I really appreciate your guys' form of communication, even if it is yelling across the room. But um, uh, you guys have, like, it's just, like, so orchestrated, the way that they all work out. And, like, you guys know what information so-and-so needs to know on the SO side. And the fire dispatchers know what information they need from the SO side. And so it's like just this like coordinated call, even though it's multi-agency. And that was part of the reason that uh, regional centers came to fruition was because you have all of your resources in one room. You can communicate in one room so that way everybody in the field knows what's needed. Uh And uh, we don't have any celebrations. Usually um, the only celebrating that we do is when a baby's born because that's very, it's very weird, but we don't have very many of those. When the dispatcher actually gives birth over the phone. I mean, we, and so it's exciting when they do that. I mean, everybody wants to like, you know, give the pre-arrival instructions to to help a baby be born. Um, But it's, I've never done it in 23 years. So, I mean, that tells you how few and far between they are. Um, but you know, the dispatchers know that, you know, in a high stress, high intensity situation where it's, it's required there, they kick into play and it's, it is like clockwork. It's like watching a symphony because there is not, there is not a drop, you know, all the notes are, are going consecutively and, and they do an excellent job. Absolutely. It's really impressive to watch, um, just being in there and seeing it happen, but also being on the other side of it. So I even can think of numerous times I've had you guys um, dispatch helicopters for me. I've had you guys call St. Vincent's for me because I'm in the back by myself with a critical patient on the way to the hospital, 20 minutes out. I need you to call stroke alert to the hospital. And I just rely upon, I relied upon you guys to do those things for me. Um, And you guys were on it, on point. There was just, it just worked so well. We work together so well. Dispatchers are awesome. <laughs> they are. Yeah. And they really they really do help save us, you know, whether it's law enforcement or fire, EMS. Like, there are things you guys have told me on calls that I never would have known, such as, like, addresses that were flagged for certain reasons and those kinds of things to keep me safe. You guys know all that information and have access to all that information that I never would have known. It's 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 amazing how much information is at a dispatcher's fingertips, mm-hmm. and they are definitely a, a huge resource to the public safety community. Yeah. And you know, our our agencies that we dispatch for are very appreciative of that, and uh-huh. and they show us that, and that that makes the dispatchers want to produce you know great work quality and keep working towards everything. But yeah, it, it's it's all in the training. They're they're constantly training, just like you guys are constantly training. Yeah, it's it's that's the way it has to be. And the the call volume you have keeps you guys training. Yes, <laughs> That's your training. It is. It is. Um, I mean, Santa Fe's not, I mean, it, it wasn't very busy. It has been busy um, as of late. Um, but even for 4th of July, just within the city, um, there was a thousand calls oh. for fireworks. Oh my gosh. Um, just within the city. That wasn't even including the county um, that went out to all of those calls. Do you guys set up like a, a dedicated phone line just for firework complaints? No. Or is it everybody, any, everybody any and anybody is calling in that night? Wow. So hopefully no one has an emergency on 
hopefully, of July. Hopefully. Yeah. Because the, the fireworks were out of control yeah. and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and it seems like that is like that every year, wouldn't you say? Yeah, or was absolutely. It worse this year, no, uh, it probably seemed a little bit worse, and it was probably because of COVID, mm-hmm. um, because everybody's like cooped up, and they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna break the rules tonight," you know? Yeah. Um, but we ended up we had to bring in an, an extra dispatchers to help fill those calls. Jeez, I can imagine because there was just no way that you know the the dispatchers on duty would be able to. The phones were just constantly ringing. Oh, okay, so when you're done after a day, when you're dispatched, well, even now, we as we were talking a little bit before, your brain, you just need to shut it yeah. off. Like, because I remember, like, I just needed quiet. Do you feel like you just need, like, quiet, especially if the phones are just ringing, 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 ringing? You know, it's it's weird how a lot of people think that dispatchers are desensitized. I mean, if you think about it, um, nobody's ever calling you to tell you, hey, good morning, how's it going? They're they're calling you because it's the worst day of their life. Yeah. Um, there's never anything positive that comes through those phone lines. And um, the dispatchers at the end of the day, like myself, I, I just want to be away from everybody. I just want to be, you know, all by myself, whether it's, you know, in the room watching TV or you know, out on... What did you tell me? <laughs> trash TV? Yeah, tra- trash TV and wine. <laughs> that's, how, that's how we unwind. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. It's, it's needed, though, you know, and, and everybody does things differently because it's hard, especially for the dispatchers that have to go home to their families. Yeah. You know, they have, they have children or they have a, a spouse that... And, and they don't want to share those awful stories with them, you know, because that's not... That's not how it works. Well, so, not only that, but I don't think I, in my experience, I've found that they that those people not to do a disservice to them, but like unless you're in it, you truly just don't understand. You don't. I agree, and with it's that. hard to like try to explain to somebody who doesn't get it because they don't know it, and it's not their fault. They're just not in it, right? right? And right. so I found that it was easier for me to just keep it to myself than to try to have to explain. I, or, I think you're right. That's that's a hundred percent correct. Or I relied upon my my people. You know, the, my people, my partners, my coworkers, friends that I knew were in it. I relied upon them to share those kinds of stories with. I have a I had a question, and I'm actually going to ask you. I wrote it down um, about the camaraderie with dispatch because we have in fire and EMS, and I think in law enforcement as well. There's like this brotherhood, right? Right. Right. Um, this understood. I don't think it's talked about very much because it's just kind of like cliche. Um, but I do think that there's an undertone in our culture of this brotherhood. Absolutely. What kind of camaraderie do you guys have? It's it's the weirdest thing because one day I could be sitting next to you and I can't stand you. And then we have a major call and then you're my best bud. You know, that that's how it is. You never know. It's, it's hilarious because most dispatchers are type A personality. Uh-huh. And, you know, if you have a room full of eight type A personality people, it's going to be somebody's way or the highway. And so, so they butt heads a lot, but you know, when it matters, mm-hmm. it, they pull together and, you know, it's, it's definitely a team. It's definitely a family. They're there to support each other. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just like you, if you were with your partner and you didn't like them, but when, when shit hit the fan, they were right there with you. So. Right. And I think you need to have a little bit of that personality because in order to feel comfortable enough to yell across yeah. the room and get someone's attention, because you it, time is of the essence, right? Like, Absolutely. There has to be a sense of urgency. And I think part of that comes with having a type A personality. Absolutely. So yeah. <laughs> cool. Okay. So you guys are usually have are understaffed. Every single dispatch 
uh, center in the United States is understaffed. Is that because of budget or is that because you cannot find qualified personnel or maybe both? Actually, um, I think it is a little bit of both. Um, We've been lucky in the sense that um, Santa Fe County realizes um, the importance of our dispatch personnel. Uh So they've raised our um, starting pay. And and we really thought that that was going to help, but we haven't been able to recruit anybody. Again, people don't want to come in. I don't want to be a dispatcher. They want to go be a police officer or firefighter, whatever the case may be. You know, it's not a glamorous job to be in. I mean, I love it. I'm proud of it. (laughs) Um, but most people don't see it like that. So, um, it's, it's hard to get people uh, that are qualified also. I mean, you don't have to have a lot of, um, pre-qualifications. You have to have a high school diploma or GED, and you have to be able to pass, um, what we have as a critical test. And it's a very watered down version of, um, what a dispatcher actually does. Okay. It's typing, spelling, um, multitasking. They have maps that come up on the screen. Um, it's about a two hour test, but if you score lower than an 80, then you don't qualify to move on to the interview oh, phase. Oh, I want to take it. I wonder how come I Come on down. Come on down. We'll wonder, set you up. I wonder how I would do. Oh, we'll God. set you up. They're all 65%. I'm like, well. <laughs> Sorry, Sam. Stay out in the field. <laughs> this is why I'm not a dispatcher. <laughs> I can't read maps. <laughs> well, that's why you have Google now, right? <laughs> right? Who needs a map? Come on. I'll be like, get with the times, Right, girl. right. Who needs a map? <laughs> What do you think some good, in, in your experience, not like, let me preface this question by saying not from a point of like filling a job description, but you like, as far as characteristics of a person, what characteristics in your experience have you found people that really succeed in this role? Like what, what characteristics do they need to have? Is it like... And again, not like on paper, black and white. Like right, this is the right. job description and you need to be able to I type mean, it's hard because I've had people that come in and I'm not like super sensitive, like, oh, somebody's going to have an emergency on the phone and after I hang up, I'm going to break down. But I've had people that have started like that. And now, you know, they're five, six years into their career when I never thought that they were going to make it. So Dang. it's just really, I mean, there's not... A, a box to put them in Ooh. you know it's it's th- we have all different sorts of people that some you never would have thought in a million years would make it and and they're you know they're still trucking along but and are so, they good do you think they're good I think they're good oh, okay I think they're good <laughs> well are they hanging by a thread no or? no no we don't keep those ones around <laughs> those ones eliminate themselves yes exactly yes. Yeah, it's a tough job. And and I think that maybe in time, they don't know what to expect, especially if they're straight out of high school, right? They don't know what but to expect. But that's the best time to do it. You know, I could say right now because the 911 community is so technology-based, you know, with next-gen 911, our phones, we don't have telephones anymore. Everything's done on a computer screen. Mm-hmm. Our, our computer-aided dispatch system is all, you know, you can click and point and they are the best ones to be in this job. Oh, cause they're because they're so computer literate exactly, already. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, if, if you're 18 and you need a job, I'm hiring. <laughs> Dang, girl, I'm so glad you said that because I know so many people that are looking for jobs, you know, but you got to be able to pass a background check. That is And you got to be able to pass a drug test, guys. Yes. So, like, <laughs> come on, if you really want a good job... There are some qualifications. You got to be able to pass background check. 
and pee in a cup. Clean, yeah, yeah, okay? yeah. No felonies um, because we have to attend the law enforcement academy and they won't let you in. And the state requires that you be certified as a, as a dispatcher through the state. Not only that, but think of the information that you would have access to as a dispatcher because you guys are the ones that are running plates and running people's information. And this is a perfect that. job for nosy Nellies. <laughs> if you have to know everything that's going on in the city and county of Santa Fe, this is the perfect They're place hiring. for you. Yes, we're hiring. Go online <laughs> to the Santa Fe County website and fill out an application. Emergency specialist trainee. <laughs> Tech, look for that or yeah. even Google it. It's ECS ECS trainee. Sounds like a, a like a job a Nancy kind of person would like. Or a Karen <laughs> kind of person would like. No Karens. <laughs> I've seen enough Karens lately. Thank you. <laughs> wow, that's cool. Um, you're actually leading us. We're, oh, we're already getting towards the end of our show. Can you believe that it? That was fast. It does go fast. by so fast. And um, so I actually, one of the questions I was going to ask you as part of our closing, and maybe you can just follow up a little bit, is to the hiring piece of for young people is, um, what is one thing you would want younger people who are wanting to get into public safety to know? I would say uh, definitely self-care. Mm -hmm. If you can't take care of yourself first, then you're not going to be at your best to, you know, want to provide the service not just for the public but for the field personnel. You have to have self-care, whether it's, you know, taking a walk around the block or going fishing on your day off or, yeah. you know, because we put in so many hours in the dispatch center. There's always overtime because we're so short-staffed. You have to take time for yourself otherwise you're not going to be at your best right and and it's not just so like you guys have I think even a little bit of a harder job because you guys have to take care of us in first response as well so you guys are taking not only care of the community and the people that are calling in but you're also take care, taking care of us and making sure we're safe on all the calls that we're going to or as safe as possible um, and so unlike with my job, I only take care of the community. There's a, I don't worry about law enforcement. I don't worry about animal control. I don't worry about the safety of you guys. You know what I mean? Like I just go run the call and take care of the people. Yeah. Um, so you guys have a huge job of taking care of there, all There's of a lot on the dispatcher's plate at one time. And, you know, being in a room with, uh, you know, eight or 10 other people where the windows don't open and you're just constantly hearing phones ring mm -hmm. or the radios, you need to be able to take five minutes out for yourself for your own peace of mind. At least five yeah. minutes. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, okay. Are you ready for the next question? I'm ready. Okay. If you could host a public safety announcement and bring awareness to something, what would it be? Absolutely know your location, know where mm. you're at, know your surroundings. Um, if you don't know where you're at, we won't be able to find you. We won't be able to send uh, the responders to the right location. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, if you say I'm at Walmart, I don't know which Walmart you're at. So you need to know what road you're at. Otherwise, I can't send you help. Right. Um, if you're on the interstate, look at the mile markers. Just be aware that you're passing a mile marker. You never know when you're going to get yourself in an emergency situation. Just be aware of your surroundings. Yeah, I want to actually add, if I can, may I add to <laughs> I that? I guess. It's your show, but go ahead. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so intrusive. Um, also, no directions. Like, oh, no please. northeast, southwest. <laughs> Okay, like try to at least know that. Um, or even, you know, 
what's in front of your house? I was if, say, you, if your house isn't marked, turn on the light. What color are the cars in front? Or mark your what? dang house, okay? Can yeah. you just mark your house, please? Like- it, it's really important, and people don't realize how important it is because they haven't experienced an emergency situation. Yeah, and I can, like, as you bring that up, I think of lots of calls where I've been like, I have no idea where we cannot find this place. We cannot find this place. I don't know where it is, and we've had to go around, and really, people... And it's a delay in service. I was just going to say, people listening, help cannot get to you if they can't find you. Right. So make sure you try to, like, put your address out there and and make it obvious what your number is or what your street is. Absolutely. We actually... That leads me into something that... um, we have in Santa Fe, it's called Smart 911. Mm-hmm. And um, even if you just have a cell phone, because you know most people nowadays don't have landlines, right. you can register your cell phone. And that cell phone, you can tie it to your residence. You could put, if you have medical problems, um, or you take medications, anything that you want um, first responders to know that would help them to better treat you, you can put into the system. And when you call 911 and the operator picks that phone up, they have all of that information at their fingertips. So go to smart911.com and register. Wow, that's cool. I didn't even know that existed. Yeah, Yeah, that's super cool. It's really important, people um, listening to, like, you, if you will need help, we want to find you. We just need to be able to find you. Like saying, saying, hey, at that one tree at the white fence where that blue car parks sometimes is not sufficient. Right. Just saying. <laughs> I mean, with this system, if you have pets, you could put pictures of your pets. Um, you could upload all of your medications. It's it's really handy. I mean, it's, it's amazing the things that are at our fingertips now. Mm-hmm. We just have to put them to use. Totally. And people need to know about them. So Absolutely. I'm glad you bring it up on yeah. this format and platform to try to educate people listening um okay last question okay, ready, ready. <laughs> in one word describe your experience in public safety i would have to say pride mm-hmm. i'm i'm very proud to have started you know many moons ago and and got into this point and grown through the um, public safety community um, it is truly a family, and I feel like, you know, I have served, and I'm still serving, um, the, the, not just the community, but all of my first responders, you know, and so I, I'm definitely proud of that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you for being here. It's been so much fun having you. The time did fly, and I think that we I learned a lot. It's really cool to kind of reminisce, too, about those days of dispatch. I miss it, too, I because them. I can't just go out and sit on the floor and just hang out anymore. <laughs> I value those days so much. It's one of, when I think back to my time in the field, it's one of the areas and periods of time that I am really happy about that when I think about it, I smile. It's like being able to hang out with you guys because I learned so much from you guys hanging out with you. It's appreciated that so. you actually took the time and came and hung out with us. It was that, fun that means though. a lot. Yeah, you it know, means a it lot. wasn't like you guys were all But boring. now you have all the knowledge of the 911 system, you know. <laughs> I'm well-rounded, girl. Now you just need to pass the test. I'm hiring. <laughs> I know, right? They're all 65%. <laughs> I'll be like, girl, can I get a bro deal real quick? Like, right? Can you just bypass that piece? <laughs> so I want to thank everybody listening. I want to do a quick shout out because I got some stats. This I don't want to say this because I didn't want to make you nervous. So I wanted, I saved Uh-oh. my shout outs for the end. But I want to shout out to uh, some of the international listeners. 
Just found out uh, that we have Ireland listening. Wow. The UK and England listening. That's exciting. So shout out to you guys. Thanks for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know I did. Uh, for more information on this, uh, please go to EmergeEducationSolutions.com as well as like the Facebook page for Emerge Education Solutions and like Emergency Podcast. So thanks, Vanessa. It's thanks, been Sam. great having thanks you Thanks for here. remembering the dispatch community. Always. You guys are awesome. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Okay. Uh, and everybody out there who's listening, talk to you soon. Stay safe.